You are now listening to Well-Fed Women, the show that's been radically changing the way women perceive health, fitness, and their bodies since 2015. I'm your host, Noelle Tarr. Submit your questions to wellfedwomen at gmail.com, and you can keep up with the show on Instagram at wellfedwomen. Welcome to the Well-Fed Women podcast. This is episode number 323. Wow. 323. I feel like we just hit 100. Six years going strong. I appreciate all of you. Thank you for being here. I am your host, Noelle Tarr of CoconutsAndKettlebells.com. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner and a National Strength and Conditioning Association certified personal trainer. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing one of the leading experts when it comes to how women should move back into fitness and strength training and improve their physical and emotional well-being postpartum. So much changes for women physically when they experience pregnancy and birth, and many complications like pelvic floor dysfunction, back pain, core instability, and prolapse are barely even recognized by practitioners. In fact, at the six-week postpartum visit, the majority of women are told they're clear for exercise as long as there are no major complications, and they're sent away to figure it all out on their own. Lucky for us, we have incredible coaches like Wendy Powell, who knows that the typical postpartum care women receive is incredibly insufficient, and she's leading the charge to help women get their physical health back and build strength and stability again in a way that is empowering and without confusion or pain. (laughs) We are going to be talking all about exercise and recovering from pelvic floor dysfunction, diastasis recti, back pain, and more today. And this isn't just for women who have had a baby recently. This is for all women, no matter where you're at and in your journey, because issues can persist, persist throughout your life. Before I bring on Wendy, if you've been looking for a way to reduce stress and fatigue, improve cellular function and immunity, and nourish your endocrine system, including your adrenals and your thyroid, look no further than red light therapy. It does all of that within a matter of minutes. Red light therapy is one of the most effective health modalities you can use with a device in your own home. It has helped me tremendously. It's improved my sleep. It's reduced fatigue and headaches and my like nausea that I was getting. And it's incredible for reducing inflammation and stress because studies show it stimulates energy production in the body by improving mitochondrial function. It literally improves how your cells function. Red light therapy, like most things, has to be in a specific sweet spot to deliver uh, these therapeutic benefits. Things like wavelength, density, and dosage have to be in balance, and anything outside of that sweet spot will be less effective, which is why some people buy red light therapy devices on Amazon or wherever and don't see the results. But Juve, J-O-O-V-V, is the leading brand when it comes to effective and safe red light therapy. They optimize all the variables needed to hit that therapeutic window. And why I love Juve is that it delivers the clinical benefits within minutes. Like I don't have time to sit in front of a device forever. And I know you don't either. And they use the scientifically proven wavelengths and they 
that have been shown in the research. There's a ton of research on red light therapy. So that's why I have partnered with Juve and I have them in my own home. Juve actually launched their next generation of devices recently. They've made huge upgrades to what was already the best red light therapy systems on the market. They're modular, they're sleeker, they're lighter, and they've also intensified their coverage area. So you don't have to like sit super, super close to it, which is really cool. So you can have it on, you know, your desk while you're working. Plus, the new devices include some really cool new features like recovery mode for post-workout and ambient mode for a calmer, lower intensity of light at night to support circadian rhythms. If you're looking for a Juve device for your home, juve.com slash wellfed. That's J-O-O-V-V dot com forward slash wellfed. And then our code is wellfed. You will get an exclusive discount on Juve's devices. Again, they don't do discounts hardly ever, so I'm really excited to share this with you all and excited that excited that we got to work this out. Juve.com forward slash wellfed. And then use the code wellfed. Now let me bring on Wendy, founder and CEO of the global digital health tech platform Mutu System. Wendy Powell is the woman behind the world's best-selling medically recommended online program for mothers trusted by women worldwide. Mutu provides evidence-based proven techniques to improve pelvic and abdominal systems, including diastasis recti, embarrassing links, leaks, painful sex, and prolapse symptoms. Wendy speaks the truth about a mother's body, empowering women to move through their motherhood journey with confidence. She is an expert in pregnancy and post postpartum physical function and recovery, as well as mental health strategies that build dignity and self-esteem. Wendy has been featured on Fox Health News, CNN, Huff, Huffington Post, and Parent.com, and so much more. The website is Mutu System, so M-U-T-U System.com. All right. Welcome, Wendy. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here. I know you have a lot going on and, and, um, gosh, I was just looking at your website yesterday and you do so much for women. You have an amazing program. And as you might expect, uh, we received a lot of questions from women because this is a topic that is largely not covered, uh, very often. Women are generally told, you know, at their six week postpartum appointment that they're good to go and that's it. And then they can just, that, that can set women up for years or, or even decades of physical pain and pain during sex and all these issues that are never resolved. So what inspired you personally to create the Mutu system and make this your, your life's work? Thank you, Noelle. Well, I think really it's, it's sort of a, pretty much everything you just said. The fact that that is the case, the fact that um, that women going into birth and women coming outside, out the other side, are simply not prepared. They don't know that these issues are going to occur. They don't know what recovery looks like. There's often not even any concept of of postpartum recovery being a thing. It's kind of, I'm pregnant, I'll have my baby, I'll come out the other side. And, 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 and any concerns that they might have are likely to be more aesthetic based than anything else. Mm-hmm. So there's just this total lack of um, of education and, and, and information, which means there is a total disempowering of women at this stage um so where it came from for me originally was my personal experience so um my kids are 13 and 15 now um and it was the birth of my now 15 year old daughter um that kind of started all this so so 15 years ago i was a um certified qualified personal trainer specializing in pre and postnatal exercise so 
all the theory <laughs> I had, right? And I'm laughing because, of course, I went into that first birth thinking, hey, I know this stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm fine. I've, <laughs> I've got my qualifications. I've got my pieces of paper. So I went into that birth. Um, I was a fit and healthy personal trainer. I was training clients right through my pregnancy um, and, and felt great. And then the birth itself, um, to, to say it didn't go according to plan would be an understatement, but I had um, a very long labor followed by a lot of intervention and a massive postpartum hemorrhage. Mm. Um, and that took a lot of recovering from, um, physical recovery for sure, but also mental health recovery around self-esteem and around really feeling like I had failed at like my body had failed me and not performed not not done what it was supposed to do not done what is supposed to be intuitive natural instinctive it had felt none of those things um and I felt really battered by that kind of physically and and mentally and less than two years later I had my son and the same hemorrhage happened again even worse it was really life-threatening that time um and so it was really after these experiences of me feeling like okay well I'm a certified pre-postnatal personal trainer and I do not have the tools to recover physically or mentally from this and so it was really from that point that I then started on my journey um, sort of 10 plus years ago of fitness at the time did not have those answers. And so I went looking for those answers and, and, and started studying in different areas, studying biomechanics, working with physical therapists, surgeons, midwives, sex therapists. I was like, somebody must know these answers because they're not in mainstream fitness right now. Um, and, and really it's from there that, that Muti started to be born. Oh man, that's amazing. And I think, so, you know, our experience is our greatest teacher. And when we struggle with something personally, it ends up creating something beautiful that helps so many women. And I love that you were able to create this whole system that people can use online and utilize you know, without having to come to you personally, find wherever you are and work with you in person. And now they can learn all these things that took you, you know, 10 plus years to learn and become an expert in and engage with that and hopefully not have the same, you know, struggles and issues. I just want to take a moment to remind you to go ahead and put on your Blue Blocks glasses. In the last few weeks, there have been days where I don't realize I'm not wearing my blue light blocking glasses while looking at screens. And if I don't have them on while just doing normal stuff, like working on my computer, my phone, and then at night watching a show with the kids, I am a disaster. I have horrible eye strain, headaches, nausea, and trouble sleeping. This is because blue Blue light is incredibly stimulating and can negatively impact your circadian rhythms. In 2021, I firmly believe proactively filtering out blue light with Blue Block's computer and their Sleep Plus glasses is an absolute necessity. The Blue Block's computer glasses filter out all the harsh blue light we experience when looking at our screens. They're clear, they don't have a color. And then the Sleep Plus glasses block all blue and green light between 400 nanometers to 550 nanometers, which is the exact range that has been shown 
in clinical trials to disrupt melatonin and negatively impact our sleep. To get our special 15% discount, go to blueblocks.com slash wellfed. That's blueblocks, so B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com slash wellfed. And then our code is wellfed at checkout. These glasses are super high quality. They are comfortable and they are stylish. I don't mind wearing them all day. I don't even realize I'm wearing them. I actually have three pairs because I'm extra, but I I wanted a spare in case I lost mine, which has actually happened and it was awful. They were actually stuck in the couch cushions. Uh, I love the look of the frames. And if you need helping anything anything out, just come over to our Well-Fed Women Holistic Health community on Facebook and I can help. Again, that's blueblocks.com slash well-fed. And then use our code WELLFED for 15% off and you'll get free shipping worldwide. And one of the things I think for me when it clicked and I had, you know, my own similar issues after my births, but like one of the things that somebody said to me once was, you know, you you get an, you, you hurt your knee. Let's say you have a you know, an operation on your knee or you, or even just something minor, like you sprained it. There are things that you do to rehab the knee. You don't just say, well, sit there and rest. And then, uh, you know, if you can walk around and you feel okay, you're good to go. No, you, you have to do a very specific, you know, program. Athletes, especially they're, they're required to do physical therapy and rehabilitation exercises when you've just merely strained your knee or whatever. And we're talking about a woman's entire core and their pelvic floor. And a lot of times that has been put through the ringer. And then we're like, well, how do you feel? Okay. Well, good. You're good to go. go Go, go have fun running. So one of the things that we talk about a lot is the pelvic floor. So what exactly is that and, and where is it and why do we have so many, why do we tend to have so many problems with it um, postpartum? It's such a great question. I love that you started with where is it and where do I find it? Because (laughs) so many, so many women, so many moms. I mean, how many times as a mom have you heard, oh, you must do your pelvic floor exercises? But that's it. It's like nobody actually tells you, like, well, how? Like, what does that, what does it feel like when I do my pelvic floor exercises right? No, Nobody tells you that. So it's kind of like the engage your core part, right? It's, you're told to engage your core, but unless somebody is really going to explain not only how to, but how to know if you're doing it right, then it's not a helpful instruction. So, in terms of what is it? Well, it is all of the all of the muscles of of of, of our undercarriage. It's everything that that joins at the front at our pelvic bone and slings underneath and joins with our tailbone at the back. It's what holds in our pee and poo until we are ready for that to leave our body. It's where we give birth. It's where we have sex. It's how we have orgasms. It's 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 quite an important part of our body, um, and it's also intricate and intrinsically part of our core. So very often we think of core as as purely abdominals or maybe abdominals and lower back, but our core, your core muscle system is everything in that midsection. It is all of the layers of of abdominal muscles. So from transverse abdominus out through the obliques and out to the the rectus abdominis at the front and everything that, that, that wraps around that in terms of fascia and everything else. It's everything that's below your diaphragm and it's your pelvic floor. That whole system is 
your core system holding you stable, working in beautiful synchronicity with your breathing and keeping you stable and strong and and controlling all of those bodily functions. And the reason it becomes something that needs to be, as you said about the knee analogy, something that needs to be rehabilitated and restored in a, in a, in a specific way um, is because however you give birth, that system will be, is in some way compromised, if you like. It has been traumatized in some way. It's done a lot of work. It's gone through a lot of changes and a lot of adaptations. So if you have a vaginal birth, however that goes, if you have a vaginal birth, your pelvic floor has, without question, done a lot of work. Um, it is going to need restoring and rehabilitating before you can make it strong. If you have a C-section, if you have a cesarean, then obviously that is traumatic surgery to, to the abdominals. But the process of pregnancy was already putting strain and pressure and load on your pelvic floor. So however your baby enters the world, that system will be in some way compromised and some connections, and by that I mean sort of um, physiological as well as emotional connections are, are simply missing and they need to be rebuilt and restored, which is why I often say it's, it's just like with the knee re um, rehabilitation, you don't need to do more or harder ab exercises when after you've had children you need to do different ones mm. because you need to re-establish a function that for the moment is a little disconnected oh yeah i like that a lot and i and thank you for clarifying because i think one of like right off the bat that was going to be one of my questions but i mean it's i think it's so important to say that right off the bat which is it doesn't matter if you had a vaginal birth or a c-section it, it it your body like your pelvic floor was there and was like part of the process of holding your baby in you were pregnant for a long time not just a few weeks right this isn't like a like a few week thing this is months and months and months and so your your pelvic floor your core is all there and a, the two are very connected and they're very involved no matter how you give birth so i i, I will i would love to maybe pick your brain too later about you know what does the rehabilitation look like when it comes to, or how does it differ you know when it comes to c-section mamas versus versus vaginal births but first what are some of the symptoms of pelvic floor dysfunction how would one know if they are struggling with pelvic floor or, or the issues that they're struggling with are related to pelvic floor dysfunction sure so the the obvious symptom that I'm gonna I'm gonna start with is of course that you're leaking in some way you're leaking pee or or even poop, and that, that there's a couple of sort of types of um, we tend to think of the word incontinence as something that only old women need to worry about and we don't tend to think of peeing a little when you sneeze or laugh as incontinence sometimes. So just to clarify exactly what I mean there is incontinence is leaking at all when you don't want to be, right? So if you cannot hold pee in when you sneeze or laugh or jump or sneeze, um, now, of course, in the early postpartum days, Noelle, of course, we all know that that is going to be an issue in the, in the very early. So I'm talking sort of days and early weeks for sure that that's going to that, you know, that's sort of um, expected, if you like. But but that is literally in the very early stages. So if you are sort of six weeks plus postpartum and there is leaking, 
anytime you don't want there to be, then you have a pelvic floor issue. Now, there's another important element, I think, around pelvic floor and pelvic floor exercises is that we're all sort of familiar with the, the Kegel, if you like, squeeze, right? Squeeze it. That's how you do your pelvic floor exercises. That's what we're told. But having squeezing is quite literally only 50% of the exercise of what you need to do because there is a release phase which is incredibly important and to, to give you sort of a, a, an explanation of what I mean by that we often think that if I'm leaking pee that must mean that my pelvic floor is too weak okay my pelvic floor muscles are too weak um, or too loose too slack too not not tight enough yeah and so we kind of go through this squeezing process to tighten them, if you like. And often that word is used when we're thinking about um, pelvic floor exercises. Now, a too loose pelvic floor is indeed weak, but so is a too tight one. And by too tight, I mean you're kind of hanging on all the time. Now, this might be unconscious, and many women are doing it. And unfortunately, it's a kind of vicious cycle because, of course, if you're worried you're going to leak, you're going to hang on, right? So the, the kind of differences are stress incontinence. So by stress, that means stress on the body. So sneezing, jumping, laughing, that would be stress incontinence. Can't quite hang on when that's happening. And then there's another type of incontinence called urge incontinence. And that would, that would be, for example, um, I'm sure listeners can, many listeners will be able to relate. You put your key in the door, you've just gotten home and it's like, oh gosh, I've got to go like right now. And you've got no time to get to the bathroom. So that's urge incontinence. And, and what's happening there, there are a number of factors that could, could be symptomatic to that. But a hypertonic pelvic floor, that means too tight, is just as much of an issue as, as too loose. And to explain that just briefly, if you if you imagine, whoever's, as you're listening, um, if you flex your bicep muscle, right? Yep, show off your guns, flex your bicep muscle. <laughs> that is your bicep muscle um, contracted, right? It's it's shortened, it's, it's on, switched on, which is great. But if you now need your bicep muscle, it's got nowhere to go. It's already fully contracted. And that's what you've got with a hypertonic pelvic floor. It's already switched on. So now that you need it because your bladder's full, but you need to hang on for as long as it takes you to, to get to the bathroom, it's got nothing left to give you. And so that's sort of where urge incontinence and too tight comes in. So when we're, when we're talking pelvic floor exercises and when we're teaching pelvic floor exercises, that the inhale, release, relax, let go phase is every bit as important as the exhale, engage and lift phase. That is so important. And I, I think this is the natural next question because this is the exact question I had. I knew I had some sort of pelvic floor issue, but I didn't know how to figure it out. So how do women figure out? Well, huh? Is And does it even matter? I guess is the question too. But how do women know, okay, is my pelvic floor weak or is it hypertonic? And and then where do they go to, to figure that out? Or is there what something they can it? do yeah, yeah, at home to figure that out? I think partly, as you said, there it, it, to an extent it doesn't matter which it is because you, what you need to do is, is rehab your pelvic floor, right? right. But, but yeah, the, the difference is likely to be sort of in, in the type of, of leaking you're experiencing. So if it's very much a when I laugh, when I sneeze, when I jump, um, 
that's stress incontinence and that that means that when you're doing your pelvic floor exercises the contract phase is 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 if you like, slightly more important. If you are dealing more with that, you, you very often just suddenly feel the urge to go. You, you might find yourself with the shopping cart in the, in the grocery store or, or at the front door or whatever it is, and it's that sudden cross your legs and I've got, I've got no time. That's more likely to be a sort of hypertonic situation, if you like, because you've got that situation where you were already contracted as much as your muscles were able to and they had nothing left to give so in both cases the answer is core and pelvic floor foundational breathing work which is obviously what we do at Mutu system and what we teach which is that foundation work never mind crunches and planks you, you know it's not about ab exercises it's about literally finding again and re-establishing connections and function with that whole system mm. um, so whichever type you are experiencing if you like the answer is kind of the same but if you think that you might fall into one or other camp more so for example if you're thinking oh that's suddenly crossing the legs thing that's me then when you're doing your exercises you want to really focus on the relax and release so the counterintuitive almost because you're letting go mm. not not pushing away not bearing down but just letting go and really letting your pelvic floor relax don't don't tuck your tailbone under kind of letting that whole your 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 hips um sorry your pelvis just be free and where it's supposed to be bottoms are supposed to take a stick out behind us not be tucked in under us yeah what are some other complications that can happen as a result of pregnancy and pelvic floor dysfunction? Like, is prolapse something that happens because our pelvic floor is dysfunctional, or is that something that's more related to birth trauma? And then, you know, pain during sex, or again, are all those related to pelvic floor dysfunction? Yeah, it's all, I mean, we're, we're, we're talking about the same sort of issues, but and yes, they're often connected. So prolapse, for example, pelvic organ prolapse, what that means is that one or more organs of your pelvis have descended, have dropped from where they're supposed to be to, to where you don't want them to be. Now, what that feels like, um, because some women will have been diagnosed with prolapse, however, many, many women will be experiencing mild to moderate symptoms and might not know that that's what it is. So to describe what that feels like, it's kind of like a feeling of, of, of bearing down as if something's falling out of you, kind of like um, a tampon falling out of you um, or actually not being able to keep a tampon in. Um, painful sex can often be related to prolapse because organs have descended. So there's going to be discomfort and possibly pain when, that, when you're doing that. So, yes, these things are very much connected. Um, the prolapse is happening more from a sort of um, connective tissues and ligaments inside further up because it's not literally stuff isn't being held up if you think of a puppeteer's strings mm -hmm. that's kind of how how these things are supposed to work and stay suspended within our our um, abdominal and pelvic cavity and if they've dropped um lots of other symptoms might be um associated with prolapse for example um not feeling like you empty properly when you go to the bathroom um any of those sort of, some women might describe, I feel like I'm sitting on a ball sometimes. Um, and also those symptoms and feelings might change throughout your monthly cycle as well. So any of those sort of symptoms, um, then yes, that is a, a pelvic floor issue. Those are pelvic floor concerns. And to reassure you, if you're dealing with any of what we've talked about, um, 
you really can improve those symptoms with getting those foundational core and pelvic floor strategies um, right for you. Mm, that's great. I think a lot of people have a, I know a lot of people suffer and they, they're told that they can't improve the symptoms or that the only resolution is surgery. Um, and in many cases, surgery isn't even recommended. And so women just kind of have to sit and deal with it. But it, that's a huge, what you're saying is that you can actually improve those symptoms dramatically by proper, you know, pelvic floor rehabilitation and activation and slow and steady strengthening. You really can. Yes, you really can. And like you say, that, that, that surgery option, um, is, is, there's so many situations that just really need never to get there mm. um and and prolapse and incontinence surgery mesh surgery it's controversial it, it's it's you know there's lots of reasons why you might not want to go there um but there's also so many cases i mean i i do work with urology um surgeons and um and gynecologists um and what i hear so often is there is women are coming by the time she reaches the urology surgeon, what they will say so often is, oh, my gosh, I should have seen this woman should have had help years ago. You know, it's it's because because of the nature of these issues. And this is a huge, a huge problem um, that needs addressing, I think, in it for, for women's health, because these issues are intimate. They are they feel a bit embarrassing. Mm -hmm. They feel a bit shameful to some people. They're not easy to talk about. Um, and so what happens is that women don't come forward with the, the problems. And then exacerbated by the fact that we are led to believe by everything from doctors to our friends to whoever, that leaking a little bit when you sneeze, if you had a baby, huh? well, you know, put up with it. That's just what happens. We're, 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 we're kind of conditioned to believe that that's normal, that that's to be expected, an inevitable consequence of motherhood. Um, and so we don't present. We do not present with these problems. So the the occurrence, the prevalence of, of prolapse and these other issues is way underreported, way underreported. And medical caregivers at every stage of the, of, of the journey from sort of from uh, from a doctor or through through to a consultant through to a surgeon that whole pathway at every stage they will say you know it's underreported um so you know this is one of the, the the biggest sort of disservices i think that as women that we receive because we're one led to believe that these issues cannot be addressed or or we should simply accept um and so that just the, the treatment and the conversation just isn't there. And so often it just doesn't need to get that far to, to surgery. Mm. I want to talk about treatment and timelines and all that kind of stuff to give women a good idea of what they should do or what they can do if they already are postpartum. But even let's like go back a little bit further. This is this is a great question from Laura. She says, is it worth seeing a pelvic floor specialist while pregnant or is it best to just be focusing on this stuff postpartum? This is my second pregnancy and my first experience needing to cross my legs while sneezing. I saw this question on your social media, Noelle, and I was like, I love that question. <laughs> Laura, <laughs> Laura, yes, 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 yes. Seeing a pelvic floor physiotherapist doing this work before you have your baby is the best way to go. Okay, the best way to go. Because all of those issues I talked about where um, 
is it vaginal birth there is going to be some lack of sensitivity and feeling immediately post-birth c-section there is going to be a lack of sensitivity and numbness around your c-section scar afterwards so if you are for the first time trying to feel it comes back to that thing i said at the start of what does it feel like when i do this right if you're only trying to figure that out when your core has just given birth then you're not in the best position to do it. Whereas if you had that experience before, if during pregnancy you were doing that core and foundational breathing technique work, then you really understood and you felt, what does it feel like when my pelvic floor engages? What does it feel like when my when my core is, 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 is contracted? What does it feel like to release those muscles and relax them? And so if you are familiar with that sensation, then afterwards, when some of those sensations might not be there quite so much, you're like, I'm good because I know this is, you know, I know I'm doing it right. So great question. And please, please, yes, start before. I love that. So what is your recommended timeline when it comes to exercise postpartum? So like in an ideal world, a woman has just had a baby. What should she be focusing on? Because there's a lot of like back and forth about, well, you can start at two weeks postpartum doing some exercises, but a lot of people are told, well, you should rest and just take your time and you're not sleeping. So just relax. And then women are like, but am I doing something wrong by not jumping in right away to pelvic floor stuff? So what for you do you see as a good range for women to start focusing on getting back into exercise? And what does that look like? You're right. It's so hard and there's so much confusing information and, 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 and differing information. So first of all, I would say let's decide what we mean by exercise. OK, so um, in terms of if so, my version of, of, of early postpartum exercise means sitting comfortably and breathing right Okay, mm -hmm. so as in the core and pelvic floor activation, um, reconnection and, and restoration, that is the most important postpartum exercise you can possibly do. And that can be begun like right away, as soon as you literally feel able to, to you know, sit comfortably and breathe. So in terms of core and pelvic floor reconnection, um, that is an as soon as you can kind of answer. Um, in terms of walking, for example, and by walking, I mean maybe 15, 20 minutes, 10 minutes at first, outside if you can in the fresh air, um, the answer to that would be as soon as you feel able, as soon as you feel you can you know, get up and, and, and do that. And the reason for that is one, there are mental health benefits for sure of, of, of getting outside if you can, but the circulation, um, just a, that that much of an increase in circulation to start healing is so important. If you had a um, C-section, um, your scar around your scar site, there's going to be some numbness, some sensitivity, maybe some tightness, maybe some itching, maybe um, there's scar tissue in there that needs to dissipate, needs to heal. You've had you've had traumatic surgery, and circulation is going to help that. All right, so. So I would start with postpartum exercise means core and pelvic floor restoration, reconnection, start as soon as you can, walking every day, start as soon as you can. So then you kind of get into, okay, no, no, I'm talking about working out, Wendy. I'm talking about when can I work out? <laughs> so so, um, so, 
first of all, if you're doing that foundational work, that is going to set you in better stead to start to work out again. Okay, so um, and depending on, again, definition of exercise to some women, that means I, I want to run 10K or more. I want to lift heavy weights. I want to go to CrossFit. To somebody else, it, it means I want to go to Pilates class or I want to go to dance class or I want to play with my kids. You know, so there, there's there's sort of a, a thousand definitions, if you like. But there is a, an easy filter that you can put all of those questions through. And that is sometimes the hardest thing for us to do, which is to listen to your body because your body will tell you when you're able to do these things. So as a general rule, don't go beyond walking and um, pelvic floor and core work until six weeks after a vaginal birth, 10 weeks after a C-section. All right. So that's the sort of general guideline before you're doing any kind of what most of us would term as a workout. Um, but of course, you know, you know what it's like, Noel, if you've got other children, you know, in that time, it's not like you haven't picked up your other children in that mm -hmm, time. Right. It's not like you haven't like picked up a laundry basket or, or your baby or so, you know, it, it's this is why that core and, pel and pelvic floor foundation work is so important, because you are lifting and twisting and pushing and pulling from the early days, as I say, especially if you if, if, if this isn't your first child. So let's be realistic here. You know, it's about it's about understanding how to keep yourself stable and comfortable as you do those everyday tasks and movements. Um, so six weeks and 10 weeks is a general rule for sort of then getting into workouts. And then this is when, at this point, when you're back into whatever exercise means to you, listen to your body. If you, there are red flags, really clear red flags that are saying you are not, your body is not ready in this moment. Don't get scared that you'll never do it again. But right now in this moment, your body's not ready. If you leak while you exercise or just afterwards if there is i mean biggest red flag always pain if something hurts your body is definitely not not able to do this and you need to stop if anything feels uncomfortable if you're if you feel a bulging or a dragging or a heaviness anywhere in your pelvis or pelvic floor if your abs feel like they're sort of often described as a sort of they're falling out they feel unstable it doesn't feel good so that there may very well be diastasis recti present which is abdominals which have separated completely normal um then then again that core and pelvic floor foundation work is going to help to heal that if you are feeling uncomfortable bulgy leaky um just not right in any way, that is your body telling you it is not ready for that activity at that intensity right now. So dial it down. We need to get probably the best advice I could give any mom um, getting back into exercise is, is your body is telling you you just have to listen to her. Um, don't work through it. You don't have to do it harder if it's not working. If it's not working, it's not working. Back up. Always back up and just gently go forward again and you will progress to where you want to be. In your Mutu system, is it like, what's a, what does it look like? Is it three days a week that, that women are doing this core and pelvic floor activation work? And how long do women do these exercises, this, this core and pelvic floor activation work? How long do they have to do that before they start? And this is, a, you know, I'm sure it varies, but like, how long do they have to do that before they start to see improvements? And is are these exercises that women should be doing forever or do they eventually stop? What does that look like? 
Sure, that's a great question. So we tend to, we have done a, um, a few, we've got tens of thousands of women that have been through the program, but we did actually, we've also done a, a couple clinical trials and, and um, surveyed the women and questioned them throughout the process. So we know very clearly what sort of what those timelines are. So what we found from, we actually did a clinical trial with a UK hospital last year during lockdown, um, uh, where we provided the program uh, 100 women who were already under the care of pelvic health physical therapy um, who couldn't see their physiotherapist during that time during lockdown um, so we worked with the hospital physiotherapy department and we we got the motor and we and we um, liaised with the women and, and and sort of closely monitored their progress now what was great to see was that we saw significant improvement in symptoms and I mean like 85 percent plus um, in terms of women dealing with all of these different symptoms improvement after just three weeks so improvement after three weeks for sure you're going to see slightly more after six weeks and so it goes on but in answer I think it, the really important question there too is do I have to do this stuff forever kind of thing <laughs> that's basically what <laughs> I'm is, asking yeah. <laughs> which is a really valid question and 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 what I would say to that is we don't clean our teeth every day twice a day for two weeks or three weeks or six weeks and then go okay I'm good my teeth are clean I'm done and then never clean our teeth again <laughs> and I, I, I'm sort of sorry if it's not the answer you wanted, <laughs> but core and pelvic floor, our core and our pelvic floor are kind of the same thing. You know, this is this is everyday function. This is um, dignity, function, um, sexual satisfaction. These things are important um, and they are important throughout our lives. And, and as women, um, that then our hormonal changes on a monthly basis. And then, of course, as we head into perimenopause and menopause. All of these changes mean that, that, yes, I would say you have to, we absolutely keep doing them. Um, during the program and when you're in that sort of, uh, you know, sort of just starting phase, we do do the, the core work every day. It's 12 minutes, though. You know, it's literally like 12 minutes. Um, we do that every day. Um, and I would suggest that when you're in a sort of more of a maintenance phase, then you might be most people, a lot of women love have had Mutu for years and they kind of just... It's like, oh, I don't follow the program, you know, sort of go through all the modules anymore. I just I, I love core four or I love core three. You know, I just do that three times a week. Mm -hmm. So it's a really common way for people to sort of engage with multi system in that it just becomes part of their routine. Um, doing this sort of 10 to 15 minute um, really mindful releasing, relaxing, breathing process um, a few times a week as part of whatever other activity and routine that they might have. Yeah, that totally makes sense. I mean, it, it's not the answer everybody wants to hear, but I do think that it, I mean, I'll throw myself under the bus. Like I, I did all the things right and, you know, really worked slow and, you know, it took me about a year to really recover postpartum and not have this serious back pain. Now I'm at a place where I'm able to do my workouts and I feel good. And like, I, if I sneeze now, I, I can definitely like the leaking has sort of come back and I'm like, oh man, like I need to sort of reintroduce. And it's just basic activation stuff. Like you said, 10 to 12 minutes, which is for a lot of women really, really great to do before your workout. So if you do this like core activation, and even for me, I always incorporate in some sort of glute activation because I've always struggled with that. Then yep. you're not going to injure yourself in your workout. Your body's going to be primed as activated and everything's going to be 
working properly when you're doing whatever squats or you know whatever's part of your workout. So it's not hard. It's just one more thing, um, but it makes a huge difference. So it's worth it, it. It really does. I know a lot of women who sort of you know they might. Uh, some people will say, oh, I I kind of you know once they get to know the exercises and the process, then it's kind of oh I incorporate it into my yoga practice or mm-hmm. I do it mm-hmm. like you say before a workout or as part of my stretching at the end of a workout or if you're not a worker outer then it's just sort of it's how I take my sort of mindfulness break um for a few minutes a day so yeah it is something that we just kind of incorporate into our routine I like that that's great we have a couple questions about core stuff this one's from Brittany she says I went to a pelvic floor PT after my first due to a fourth degree tear and while she addressed the scar tissue restriction and gave me a few kegel exercises to strengthen I never felt like my core stabilized for example even months even months postpartum, if I did anything higher impact, like a jumping jack, it felt like my organs were all moving around inside of me. Is this normal? And how do I strengthen and stabilize my core so this doesn't occur? She said she never got it sorted out because she got pregnant again 10 months postpartum, and now she is officially eight weeks postpartum with her second. Wow. Congratulations, yeah. warrior. Um, so, yeah. so in terms of that feeling of, um, and it's a great way to describe it, just the stability, because that is what it feels like. And mm-hmm. and it, it's um, then really what's happened there is it sounds like sort of some of her, her sort of um, her post-birth issues were addressed before, but kind of not the whole system as it were so um what i would say to that is that there is there is still some activation that kind of needs and i use the word reconnection and i often say this and what i mean by it is we kind of whether physically physiologically as well as emotionally we cut off from what we don't like what doesn't work right what doesn't feel right what we don't like and it's that feeling, if you like, that when you go for your pap smear, you're kind of, okay, this isn't great. I don't really want to be here, um, but i got to do it. So I'll just kind of go to my happy place for a few moments. And we kind of can cut off a bit, right? We've all done that at some point in some situation. The problem is that when that is occurring much more long term, and for many, many women, it, it is, we look down whether it's overhang a tummy, whatever it is, doesn't look, feel, respond, behave as we want it to, like it used to. And there's a kind of a disconnection that takes place. And restoring our core, so getting that stable core back, um, dealing with a diastasis recti gap and and narrowing that back to to strengthen, um, incorporating with the pelvic floor, all of that work is essential to get that stability back. So I would suggest that what she wants to to do is to to revisit that foundational work. And remember, it doesn't mean you have to stop everything else. It means you want to stop the stuff that doesn't feel good and back up. But think of it always as you're building foundations and then you'll just progress forward again. So I know a lot of women feel very sort of disillusioned or frustrated if they feel they've got to go, oh, I'm going backwards. Like mm. like you said, oh, oh, gosh, I'm leaking now. I've got to go backwards. It's like it's not backwards. It's not backwards. You're just you're just going back and strengthening those foundations again before you move forward again. So um, 
and especially because this lady has had two pregnancies in quite quick succession as well, those ab muscles have taken a pounding and, you know, they, 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 they need some help. Mm-hmm. So um, just th- those minutes of, of core reconnection, of really reconnecting with her abdominal core muscles and, and she will f- start to get that stability and that feeling of, 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 of sort of being all, all linked up again, mm-hmm. back again. This is a this is a good question. There's a lot here. It's a short question, but there's a lot here. This is from Allie. She says, what are some exercises that target the core without killing your back? So talk to me about how back pain plays into this and maybe why core work doesn't necessarily have to kill your back. Because there's this association, like you said, that it's all about laying on the floor and doing crunches, which, of course, is going to bother your back. So. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. The reason your back hurts when you do what are often regarded as traditional ab exercises. So, for example, planks, crunches, that kind of thing. Um, The reason your back hurts is because your abs are not able to stabilize you. And so your lower back is taking the strain. So that's what's happening. So if you think about it from that point of view, then hopefully that helps to explain why the answer is not to do more of them. Because you're doing the as as you you think of them as ab exercises, right? So the, the the reason you're doing them is because you want to restore and strengthen your abs. If your back is hurting, not only are you not strengthening your abs, your abs aren't even working, right? So so the core muscles that you think you're using are not doing the work. So not only are you not getting the results that you hoped for, that you intended from that exercise, but you're also causing discomfort and even pain because what's happening is the rest of your body is having to make up for it. So, for example, if we take a a plank type position, anything prone, face down, where you're essentially bearing the load, whether you're on your, if you're on, certainly if you're full length and on your toes and elbows or toes and hands, um, then your core in that moment is required to take the full load of your body weight. If it can't do it, your lower back's gonna have to kick in and it will hurt. So if, if, for example, in that that particular um, movement, in that particular exercise, drop to your knees. If you're still feeling anything of that, bring your knees slightly up closer, up further towards you. So you're sort of more and more in an all fours position rather than that, that bearing load position and, and kind of work with that. It's, it's physics, it's levers. Yeah. It's kind of, if you try and bear the whole load, then that's too much. Drop your knees, you, you decrease the load a bit, bring your knees closer into your chest. You've decreased the load a little bit more. Find the place where you can Breathe, engaging your core correctly in that position and hold it for a few breaths. You're not holding your breath, remember, never hold your breath, but so that you'll just try for like five breaths, six breaths, comfortably knowing that you're, you're holding your core correctly. Find the place you can do it. And then your progressions from that will be to very gradually increase that lever, increase the load, move your knees a little bit further back. Um, with a crunch type movement, again, if your back is hurting, your abs aren't doing the work. What's happening is your lower back's doing the work, your hip flexors are straining. None of the things you think you're doing, you're actually doing. Um, so again, adapt it, do different ones, not more of them. Okay. If your back is hurting, you are not working your abs. So it, it's not only are you, are you unfortunately experiencing pain, but you're, you're not also achieving the results you hoped for either. Mm. Does that make sense? Totally. Yeah. And even just to put it into further context, cause I had to 
deal with this too. It's it's hard. It's hard to understand how to properly engage your core. And once you get the proper education on that and the visuals and you get that, then core work turns into something completely different. Um, yes. You have to completely change your definition of what core work is and you will, you know, crunches are crunches. And, you know, I, 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 in, I was a college athlete doing crunches and toe touches and bicycles and all that. And now looking back on it, I know like I wasn't doing anything for my core there, right? I was really just straining my back because I wasn't properly engaging my core. And so what I started doing and what how I had to start re-engaging my core and actually activating it and using it was simply laying on your back like you're going to do a core with your knees up, but literally just lifting up one, like lifting one foot off the floor and putting it back down still like bent knees, barely lifting it and then putting it back down on the floor, but having my core properly engaged while I did that. So I wasn't arching my back. My, my abs weren't poofing up. Everything was properly engaged. And again, that's what I'm sure you cover in your Mewtwo system, but it, 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 those basic movements of just lifting a leg, putting it back down, lifting a leg. And like you said, increasing that uh, just ever so slightly lifting your leg a little higher Then, of course, straightening it and lifting a straight leg like that's really challenging stuff that doesn't look challenging but when you're properly engaging your core you will you're now getting stronger and you're actually doing what you want to be doing which is strengthening your core and helping stabilize your body overall when you do other things that you want to do like squats and all that kind of stuff so learning it on the ground lifting your leg a co- like an inch off the floor or whatever will be you'll be able to translate that to other things then like when you do a squat you'll be able to properly engage your core so yeah. so true so yeah. true and like you say then with that one you were describing Noel, it's like your, your foot literally has to leave the floor doesn't it it's yeah. like yeah. you know you don't have to have it sticking out straight you no. know all, all, all instagram worthy you know yeah, it's no. kind of just I, I mean another way of doing that as well um just on that slight movement is if you're in an all fours position mm-hmm. and you exhale and engage your core as you lift one knee literally just off the ground and again, same kind of effect. You're really working your core. It looks like nothing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, but you'll feel it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is a C-section specific question. This is from Jessica. She said, not nearly as serious as pelvic floor issues, but I'd love to know if anything could target this C-section pouch. And re- And can you also talk about reasonable expectations for fitness and body changes postpartum? Now, that second part, of course, is a huge question, too, and I'd love to get your thoughts on that. But talk talk about the C-section mamas for a section for a section. Second C-section for a second. That's a tongue twister. You know, when a woman has a C-section, are there special considerations that she should be making for building strength and core function? And and is there anything that women can do for that C-section pouch? For sure, this is a, and it's a common concern. And don't say it's not. Uh, she she mustn't say it's not as serious as pelvic floor. It's right. all, we've all we've all been through it. Doesn't matter how your baby comes out. So it's. If, yeah, so that's C-section. So let's start with kind of the, the scar site itself. That is um, the fact that women give birth every day and the fact that I, th- I believe it's approximately a third of, of births in the U.S. Are, are C-section births. The fact that it is a common and everyday occurrence does not take away from the fact that this is major surgery. Your body has had major traumatic surgery and it needs to recover from that. Um, and so what one of the, the sort of... Uh, 
things that that often women are thinking about is is like well what got cut you know were the muscles cut what got cut so what's gone on in there is that is layers of skin and tissue and fat have absolutely been cut and other and muscles have generally um been parted to make room to to take the baby out and then of course each one of those layers has been has been stitched back up again that's a lot of trauma and that's a lot of scar and scar tissue now scar tissue is why is is what you feel if you kind of take sort of thumb and, and forefinger just really gently along a c-section scar it kind of there's kind of like a lumpy ridge line right so it's kind of that that's all that scar tissue in there and and in the early postnatal period that, that's going to be you're probably not going to be rubbing that that's going to feel sensitive that's going to be tender it's going to be uncomfortable and you need to take specific care of that so in the early days take care of your scar you have had big surgery you do need longer to recover be very careful getting back into exercise and certainly be very careful with anything that is going to put strain on that scar so certainly not any of those sort of traditional ab exercises we've been talking about but even sort of getting up sort of when you're getting out of bed or, or up in the bath or when you're getting up from lying on your back always roll to the side you know kind of try and take those stresses and load off off that scar and then as you sort of move forward through recovery and 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 the initial sort of real sensitivity and tenderness has started to heal then one very gentle massage um just using your fingers just really gently across that scar will help to kind of break down that scar tissue so that's helpful circulation generally nutrition is really important here and hydration um we often don't talk about that enough in postpartum physical recovery but it is so important that we get the right nutrients into our body to enable it to heal um so plenty of hydration water herbal teas you need hydration again you need the circulation going you need everything moving around and flushing through um and um you know making sure you're getting enough great quality protein make sure you're getting enough fat so often women are not eating enough fat mm. the good stuff obviously um you know what sort of I, I know you do a lot of work on this now mm. but it's kind of make sure you're getting enough fat for sure and all the other nutrients so there's those elements to healing and then as you go forward into exercising with with post c-section it's it's kind of coming back to that okay so your pelvic floor may not have had the trauma that a vaginal birth did but your abs did so you know one you're going to feel that initial connection work more in your pelvic floor possibly than in your lower abs but just know that it's all connected it's working um and just taking it really easy back into anything that puts strain across that scar so you you do need you need a little bit more time and don't underestimate it like i say just because it's it's um a, an everyday occurrence it it doesn't take away the 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 sort of severity or the the, the significance of what what you've had done I want to talk about something that a lot of women don't like to talk about, and that is sexual intimacy postpartum. This one was from Jenny, and she says, can you please talk about prolapse and sexual intimacy? And I know that a lot of women also have, like, pelvic floor issues, um, like the, the hypertonic, you know, pelvic floor, which makes it very painful. So a lot of women have tears that, are, that lead to scar issues or, like, you know, tight scars that really are painful. So are there things that women can do to, like, 
enjoy sex again postpartum because it's like thinking about it after you have a baby you're like I am never gonna do that again and then and then then you sort of you're not sleeping and you're breastfeeding and then you really don't want to do it again but you try and then it's painful and it's just a mess so like what can women do to improve their their sexual intimacy and actually enjoy it and what's a good realistic timeline so for example like should women be feeling great at six months postpartum or is it okay if it doesn't feel great then it's so okay if it doesn't feel great then and it's i think in terms of what you can do and and what is causing that if if you do have if you know you have a prolapse and intercourse is hurting um then quite clearly you've got you've got organs that have descended you're 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 bashing against them to put it bluntly you know it's kind of it's going to be uncomfortable so i think i think that the first thing i would say is give yourself time and grace and vitally important i was going to say ask demand that of your intimate partner because it's if you've just had a baby however long ago just was you are more than entitled you deserve the time to recover and heal and that takes as long as it takes and this really varies there's there's no way i could put a time on it and i wouldn't i wouldn't dream of putting a time on it because some women are completely up for it and feeling great at six weeks and plenty of others go for that six-week check and the doctor asks them about contraception and they're like what yeah I, I couldn't need anything less right now than I need contraception, right? <laughs> so, so it's kind of, you know, there really isn't a, a definite time on that. It's about, it really is about time and grace. It's about um, doing this this pelvic floor reconnection work because this does come back as well to that, that, that issue around disconnection. You've cut off. When we don't like our body, we don't look at it. We don't, you know, we get undressed in the dark. We don't look at our body in the mirror. We don't look. We don't touch. Now, if you're there in a in an emotional, mental way, then you are disconnecting from that and quite possibly are doing the same thing during intimacy because it doesn't feel great, because it's uncomfortable. So this, this reconnection work, it's so tied up in, you know, pelvic health issues now are mental health issues. Mm. This isn't like a knee that hurts, all right? This isn't like a broken ankle or, 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 or a broken arm. This is about stuff that directly impacts our happiness, our comfort, our dignity, our intimacy, our relationships. So I don't think you can distinguish between the emotional, mental health aspects of pelvic health you can't separate the two from the physical um and so i would say if you're in that situation please don't feel rushed please talk with your partner and get support with that if you need that in terms of helping him or her understand that you know that 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 you're just not ready for that and it's not feeling good and like everything that we talk about postnatally your pace your speed back up when it doesn't feel good just just you know, roll it back. So take your time, grace, and just you, you, you deserve to take that time. Mm. 
Thank you so much, Wendy, for all of your knowledge and answering all these questions. Talk to me about Mutu and where people can find more about you. I do follow you, of course, on Instagram. Well, the Mutu system on Instagram, and it's just such a wealth of knowledge and so helpful. Um, so I'll link to that in the show notes. But what else are you? What else have you got going on? I'm like, she needs a book. What's going? Like, what's happening? So uh, tell, yeah, tell us where we can find more about you. Thank you. Yes. So Mutu, that's spelled M-U-T-U. I'm often asked, so I'll tell you, it comes from mummy tummy um, uh. originally. Yes. <laughs> so that'll help you spell it right as well. So um, so M-U-T-U, Mutu system, all one word. You will find us on every social media platform as Mutu system. Okay. And mutusystem.com, you'll find our website and everything you need to know about the program. I am also, as you say, I'm in a few places. I'm also known as Mutu CEO. Um, and you can find me. I, I have a I have an account on Instagram and, and obviously in Twitter and, and that kind of thing as well. So but our main brand accounts are all at Mutu System. And if you're interested in the sort of the personal bits from me, then it's Mutu CEO as well. Um, I jump onto Mutu System Instagram every Monday at um 6 p.m. British, I think that's like midday, 1 p.m. Eastern, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. So I always do a live Q&A on Instagram on a Monday. Um, and and all of your questions will always be answered there. So basically, wherever you are, it's Mutu System. Awesome. Thank you, Wendy. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. All right. For more from Wendy, we'll link to everything in the show notes, mutusystem.com. For more from me, you can go to coconutsandkettlebells.com. Thanks for submitting your questions. I hope this is helpful. Love you guys. I will talk to you next week. 